1: Or listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv Folks, I am Dustin Gold and this is the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv We just watched a clip of an interview with Ray Kurzweil and Glenn Beck in 2011 where Glenn Beck had the balls to ask Ray Kurzweil how the technology and the know bioscience that he's espousing is not right on line right in line right on point with adolf hitler and nazi eugenics i'm going to play you two videos now of ray Kurzweil. one where he talks about his program and two where he's going to talk about his past i am not going to interrupt this although i would like to uh analyze it in real time for you i'm not going to because I think it's more important for you to listen to him in his own words. And then we will come back, we will talk about it before I move on to the next video.
2: AI is uh, the field of computer science problems we haven't solved yet. AI is really a brain extender. That's why we use technology in general. So go beyond our limitations. We got an additional amount of neocortex two million years ago with these large foreheads. Remember what we did with it? We put it at the top of the neocortical hierarchy. And as you go up the hierarchy, things get more interesting. So we're gonna do it again. Uh, We're gonna create synthetic neocortex in the clouds. So it will become a hybrid of biological and non-biological intelligence. But again, it's not an alien invasion of intelligent machines from Mars. We create these tools to make ourselves smarter and extend our own reach, and that will be the ultimate application.
1: That was a brief introduction to Ray Kurzweil and the crazy technology that he's developing. But now listen to this clip of him explaining
2: his past. Great to be with you. I feel very much at home at uh, this forum, being a serial entrepreneur. Uh, But I do have to admit that I actually took a real job recently, uh, my first. I thought I'd squeeze in a real job before I turned 65. Uh, perhaps the only company, except for maybe Microsoft being here. Uh, I should point that out, uh, but I did have close ties with Microsoft during Bill Gates' era. Uh, but I have a certain amount of freedom at Google. Uh, I am going to interrupt here for a second.
1: So on the first video, I just want you to recognize what he was talking about, like expanding the neocortex and all this other crazy stuff. It's, it's. I mean, it is Nazi eugenics. And then on this one, you just saw him talk about how he worked with Bill Gates at Microsoft and all of this other stuff. So just listen, because he's going to get into his background and he's going to talk about his childhood. And that is all very important. My mission
2: there is... To get the Google computers to actually understand natural language, I'll talk more about that. But I thought I'd start out by sharing with you some of my own uh, entrepreneurial and inventing experiences. Uh, I decided I wanted to be an inventor when I was five. Uh, I'm not sure why that is, but my parents gave me all these enrichment toys. I knew they were enrichment toys because they had lots of little pieces and you could put the pieces together in different ways and create different inventions. So I took them all apart and and created this big inventory of little pieces, and then I would go through the neighborhood and bring back broken bicycles and broken radios and take them apart and add to my inventory. This was an era where you would allow a five-year-old to go through the neighborhood and do that. And I had had this idea that if I could just figure out the right way to put these things together, I could create transcendent effects. I didn't have that vocabulary when I was five. I came up with that word a few years ago. But I remember the feeling, if I could just figure out the right way to assemble these things, I could create magical effects. I could solve any problem. And this was kind of a philosophy for my family. The family religion was the power of human ideas. I remember my grandfather coming back from his first return trip to Europe after having fleed uh, Vienna in the summer of 38. Uh, so this was 55, I was seven, and he came back and he described having been given the opportunity to handle with his own hands some original documents by Leonardo da Vinci, and he described it as a religious experience. But these were not documents handed down by God, these were documents created by a human, but they had changed uh, human, the human condition, they'd overcome problems, Uh, It was really the power of human ideas uh, that was being communicated. I discovered the computer at 12. I stole uh, an assembly language and Fortran programming manual and taught myself to program. A 12-year-old using a computer is hardly unique today. In fact, I don't know a three-year-old who doesn't have a computer. But uh, in those days, 1960, there were only about 12 computers in all of New York City. I was given the opportunity to use the midnight to eight a m shift, which was great. It was actually like my own personal computer. Uh, you had to feed in punch cards, so one of my best friends was this punch card machine and Anybody here remember punch cards? Oh wow, okay. Um, when I was fourteen i began I had the idea that we could emulate human thinking in the computer, and I wrote a paper on how I thought the human brain worked and how we could then use those principles uh, to do pattern recognition and AI in in a computer. Uh, I described the human brain as a series of modules that could recognize patterns. And the patterns were organized in a hierarchy and we created the hierarchy with our own thinking. And just 50 years later to the month, I wrote this book, which I'll talk about later, How to Create a Mind, which says the same thing. Except now we actually have enough uh, precision in our brain scanning to actually see the brain doing this. And we can, uh, spatial resolution of brain scanning has been growing exponentially. And we can see inside the brain with such precision that we can see interneuronal connections being created in real time and firing in real time. And we can see your brain create your thoughts. And we can see your thoughts create your brain because the interconnection between these modules is created by our own thinking. But we can actually confirm uh, with neuroscience these ideas. Uh, At that time, I was speculating just based on how it appeared that the human brain worked. Uh, I wrote a program that, based on these pattern recognition principles, I could find patterns in music uh, and then write original music in the same style. So I would feed in Mozart or Chopin and then I would write original music that sounded like it was a student of Chopin or, or Mozart. And uh, that's how I got to meet President Johnson. I submitted that to the Westinghouse Science Talent Search and was one of the winners of that. And that was kind of the beginning of my career with artificial intelligence. Okay, folks. (laughs)
1: Let's just break this down for a second. Do you see what I saw? Do you see how he just talked about how he has been working on artificial intelligence, mapping the brain, extension of the the neocortex, and such. He's been working on this stuff his entire life, since he was a kid. So he's not a prophet when he's predicting the very things that he's working on. And I'm not going to harp on that any longer Because right now, we're at the point where we've proven it. In his own words, we've proven it. He is not a prophet. He's a mad scientist. And he's crazy. And shortly, we're going to get into what drives him. Why he's really doing this. Why he wants to biohack humanity. Put nanobots inside your body so that it fights disease, supposedly, and connect your brain to an AI hive mind through a cloud-based neocortex, and then eventually upload his consciousness into the metaverse in which he will become immortal. I'm not kidding. This is real. This man is the head of engineering at Google. He's real. He has power. He has influence. He is actually shaping society. He is actually disrupting humanity. You talk about disruptors in the technological industry, in the telecom industry, people that come in and completely change the way we do the phone system or the way television worked. He is coming in and disrupting humanity... And they call him the Thomas Edison of our time. Right now, I am going to take a quick break. And when I come back, we are going to jump over quickly to take a look at Yuval Noah Harari, the other prophet. This one being the prophet of the Fourth Industrial Revolution, the prophet of the World Economic Forum... He is a professor, highly influential, has the ear of heads of state, is the right-hand man to Klaus Schwab, who for some reason and somehow has an iron grip on heads of state, CEOs, union leaders, trade association bosses, and everything. Yuval Harari is one of the creepiest people I've ever seen. This guy comes across as like the Woody Allen of the technocracy Yuval Harari is is like a Harry Potter character it's insane and we're going to show you Yuval Harari before we jump back in to Ray Kurzweil because I need you to see that these are two of the most dangerous thinkers alive today ladies and gentlemen I am Dustin Gold and this is the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.TV. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold and we are back. We are back. And what I am about to show you folks is a psychopathic madman known as the prophet. All of these guys in the technocracy look to this man as the prophet. He speaks at TED Talks. He speaks at the World Economic Forum. He is a professor out of Israel A complete and total madman. I want you to hear him in his own words. Because he is one of these guys, similar to Kurzweil, but they tweaked him a little bit, where he acts as if he's warning us of what's to come and the dangers of it. Yet, he's a double talker because he's also involved with helping Klaus Schwab and others develop it. And when you see Yuval Harari, he is going to say things uh, that you just can't believe. Calling us hackable animals, saying that we have no soul, we have no free will. And yet, this man is a prophet. They call him a prophet. Let's listen to these three clips, and then we will come back and discuss them.
0: We are probably one of the last generations of Homo sapiens. Within a century or two, Earth will be dominated by entities that are more different from us than we are different from Neanderthals or from chimpanzees. Because in the coming generations, we will learn how to engineer bodies, and brains, and minds. These will be the main products of the economy, of the 21st century economy, not textiles and vehicles and weapons.
1: Hacking and pirating humanity, genetically modifying human beings, that will be the future economy. You heard it yourself from Yuval Harari. Now, let's continue.
0: This will be decided by the people who own the data. Those who control the data control the future, not just of humanity, but the future of life itself. Because today, data is the most important asset in the world. In ancient times, land was the most important asset. And if too much land became concentrated, in too few hands, humanity split into aristocrats and commoners. Then in the modern age, in the last two centuries, machinery replaced land as the most important asset. And if too many of the machines became concentrated in too few hands, humanity split into classes, into capitalists and proletariats. Now data is replacing machinery as the most important asset. And if too much of the data becomes concentrated in too few hands, humanity will split not into classes, it will split into species, into different species. Now why is data so important? It's important because we've reached the point when we can hack not just computers, we can hack human beings and other organisms. There is a lot of talk these days about hacking computers and email accounts and bank accounts and mobile phones, but actually we are gaining the ability to hack human beings. Now what do you need in order to hack a human being? You need two things. You need a lot of computing power, and you need a lot of data, especially biometric data. Not data about what I buy or where I go, but data about what is happening inside my body and inside my brain. Until today, nobody had the necessary computing power and the necessary data to hack you. let me just
1: pause that right there and say this, do you hear this? Does that not sound like someone speaking in front of a group of Nazis? He's talking about how they have the ability to hack humans. He's talking about how they need all of our biometric data. Did I not warn you in episodes one and two about the dangers of wearing a Fitbit, wearing an iWatch? Think of having Siri and Alexa and and Google Nest and Amazon Ring all around you, all around your home. Even the iPhones that we carry are constantly measuring data. They have the ability to track our heartbeats, how many steps we take, just download any app. And when you say, wow, how does that app do that? You have to remember that the hardware in which the software is installed on, the hardware has all of the pieces and the circuitry involved to allow that app to do what it's doing. So if you have an app that measures a distance, that means the camera in that app and the circuitry allows that to occur. So we're carrying around effectively our own microchips with us, which is our smartphone. And the reason why they're collecting all this data, as I told you, it's not about tracking people individually. But as we, as when you talk about uploading consciousness and you say, These guys are crazy. How are you going to do it? We've been doing it. Every tweet, every direct message, every text message, every phone call, every video, every photo, every thought, everything we say around our phones. Everything is being tracked. Our movements are being tracked by all the Amazon Ring doorbells all over the place. All that data is going into a system And they are developing an AI hive mind, which we will get into in a later episode. But the AI hive mind is the superhuman. It is designed from all the thoughts, all our feelings, all of our expressions, all of our emotions. And that is going to create the AI hive mind in which they want to beam down into your neocortex through these nanorobots that are going to be running through your body, of which not just Kurzweil, but many of these other technologists talk about. So let's move to the next clip, and you need to hear this, because it will show you what he thinks about you. So if you made the mistake in that clip of thinking he's somebody who's up there just warning everyone of the dangers of the very technology he's helping create, but warning people because he loves them, wait until you hear
0: what he thinks about you. But control of data might enable human elites to do something even more radical than just build digital dictatorships. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. And if indeed we succeed, in hacking and engineering life, this will be not just the greatest revolution in the history of humanity. This will be the greatest revolution in biology since the very beginning of life, four billion years ago. For four billion years, nothing fundamental changed in the basic rules of the game of life. All of life, for four billion years, dinosaurs, amoebas, tomatoes, humans, all of life was subject to the laws of natural selection and to the laws of organic biochemistry. But this is now about to change. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds. But our intelligent design, and the intelligent design of our clouds, the IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. And at the same time, science may enable life, after being confined for four billion years to the limited realm of organic compounds, science may enable life to break out into the inorganic realm. So after four billion years of organic life shaped by natural selection, we are entering the era of inorganic life shaped by intelligent design.
1: Okay, did you hear what he said? Did you hear him? Did you hear him because you should be scared? This man, if he does not sound like a god wannabe to you, I don't know what does. He just said that he, there is no god up there that's making decisions up in the clouds. The cloud will be the server clouds where they will upload consciousness. The guy literally just told you That they, him, his people, the elites, the stakeholders, the technocratic oligarchs are going to be the ones who make the decisions on the evolution of humanity that no longer a creator will be doing that. If there is a God, hopefully, he or she or whatever has heard this speech. Because... They have someone who is going to challenge their power. And that is Yuval Noah Harari and the rest of his gang. Let's listen to what else he has to say about us damn dirty humans.
0: People are choosing those leaders. Yes. So this is the power of the people, the people decision. No, but it's, 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 it's a circle. Mm-hmm. You know, ideally, you have people forming up opinions and desires and then voting for a government that represents them. But we know it works both ways. The government has enormous power to shape the opinions and desires of the population Mm -hmm. and this power only increases today with uh, the new technologies of surveillance, uh, mass surveillance and social media and so forth. when the government can, I mean the government is not just responsive to the will of the people, it can shape the will of the people. And this really destabilizes the democratic system. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, the media has an enormous role to play in this, that if the government has too much control over the media, then it's not like people are forming their own independent views about what's happening. We now have the power at least not we, but some governments and corporations for the first time in history have the power to basically hack human beings. There is a lot of talk about hacking computers, hacking smartphones, hacking bank accounts, but the big story of our era is the ability to hack human beings and by this I mean that if you have enough data and you have enough computing power you can understand people better than they understand themselves Mm -hmm. and then you can manipulate them in ways which were previously impossible. Mm -hmm. And in such a situation, the old democratic system stopped functioning. We need to reinvent democracy for this new era in which humans are now hackable animals. You know, the the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. We need to come to terms with the fact that, no matter, again, this is where philosophy meets computer science and biology. Uh, No matter what you think, ultimately, is the truth of the universe, you have to realize that practically today, we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. And this means you need, we need to reinvent democracy. We need, we need to reinvent the market. Again, the whole idea of the customer is always right. We just do whatever the customers want. Yes, but you can now hack the customers. You can manipulate the customers to, to want what you tell them to want. So this whole idea that corporations just serve the needs of the customers, this is this is over. You can't hide behind this explanation anymore.
1: You have no soul. You have no free will. You have no ability to make decisions for yourself. Says you all noah harari did you hear him did you hear what he said this all has to be governed a new system has to be created you see how the technocrats create the problem they get you to react they offer the solution and on and on and on they need to be the one to govern this horrible technology in which they've created that are going to make things inequitable But you have no free will. Did you see the look on his face? You have no free will. You have no soul. You are a hackable animal. And that is the way it's going to be. And we are going to be in charge. And we will create a new democracy. We are the Third Reich. Actually, they're the Fourth Reich. The Fourth Industrial Revolution. And I'm Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and we will be right back. More listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the
0: discussion at payne.tv slash gold.